Donna. Oh, thanks so much for having me on your phone. I felt like, uh, in some ways, God and I had an inside joke. I remember Rod Dewberry saying it in one of his messages, like, have you ever felt like you and God had an inside joke? I was speaking about, um, or I was thinking about what I wanted to preach about, and uh, God kind of changed the message, and uh, I was like, okay, well, you know, you're God, I should listen. So, uh, anyway, when Ron stood up and said, let's read from Matthew 13, I thought, oh, is, is God about to share his inside joke? And then when he read verse 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I thought, that's amazing, because that's, Lord willing, what I wanted to speak on today. And, not that I don't love hearing Ron's voice, it was just funny that he didn't even have any comments afterwards. I was like, phew, but what if what Ron was saying was, you know, more correct than mine? So, <laughs> I'm glad he did it that way. <laughs> hey, uh... Have you felt at all frustrated lately? Um, I was doing a Zoom meeting for Evergreen Gospel Chapel Friday night, and uh, just wanted them to kind of share where they're at spiritually. How do you feel spiritually? And the word frustrated came up a few times. Just frustrated spiritually, frustrated with... uh, the world frustrated with people's views, frustrated with uh, maybe sitting outside for church, <laughs> just frustrated. And as we go through all these different levels now of just uh, different things that happen every single week, I'm, I'm reminded again of God has not changed. And even amongst my frustration... Have I forgot that I'm saved? (laughs) Have I forgot that I have found this unbelievable treasure? Something worth more than the whole world. And I have claimed that as my own. That's what I want to think about. And I want to encourage you today, just to remind us even, of this great treasure the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have found. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much uh, as we talk about finding this treasure, that at the same time you are the one that searches us out, and you are the one who rejoices over us when we repent. Oh Lord, in you are hidden all the treasures of the world. Lord, if we know that, then help us to see the world differently. Help us to not be so frustrated with the world. Help us to understand that the God of this universe still desires to be personal with us, to talk with us, to have a relationship with us, for us to pray to Him. Thank you so much that you have already foreseen the future. You know exactly what's coming in the weeks and months ahead. And your message has not changed. 
your message is that we would simply love God and love people. We pray, Lord, during this time that your Holy Spirit would do a mighty work. That you would control me, that we would be built up and edified in the faith. That you would be honored and glorified above all. In your name, amen. I'm going to read Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46 again. It says again, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Interesting, the difference between the two. They have found great treasure. It would appear like the one who found the treasure hidden in a field was not necessarily looking for it. Things just kind of get exposed through storms. I know myself, when I went camping on Long Island Sound, it was, you know, right during that last storm, and I was, you know, getting teased by my wife because out loud I said, man, that would be so awesome if, like, the storm, like, exposed a sunken treasure while we're out there swimming in the ocean, and I just find some treasure and get rich. That's like, you know, a little dream there. You know, you've heard of stories like when these trees get uprooted, something underneath the tree or something that was not necessarily exposed that maybe over the storms and stuff like that, that it was suddenly exposed. Well, that's how it would seem like this person found it in verse 44. Now, again, these passages talk about the kingdom of heaven as in the gospel, people finding the gospel. And yet... In verse 45, it would say there was someone who was seeking out beautiful pearls and then found one. Why does that matter? Well, I just want to say that it speaks to me of God's grace. There are times where we have experiences with God that we weren't even looking for Him to show up. And we found a treasure. Now again, this is gospel. This is when people get saved, but I think it applies to our Christian walks now. There are certain Sundays when we come to church, quite frankly, we have an attitude or something about us where we're not even really expecting God to do something. And then He surprises us with a treasure from His Word that is life-changing. Most of the times when God has really done a work in your life, when He has showed you something in Scripture... Were you really pursuing it, or did it actually just kind of come and just God just intervened? That's how it can work with God. And it just makes me praise Him for His grace. Now, obviously, we should be pursuing the Lord. I'm not saying it's a good thing to float around life and just wait for God to magically intervene. That's not what the Christian is called to do. And yet I also cannot deny the fact that sometimes God steps in and intervenes without us necessarily even inviting Him to do so. I want to pray in that way. I want to pray in the way that every time this word is opened on a Sunday morning, regardless of where you're at, there's a chance for God to intervene. 
and God to do something special. And it really has nothing to do with the speaker. It has to do with Him and His Word. And He's doing a work in your life. Such a great treasure that is found, that was hidden. Well, the next one's a little different. The next one, it says, it was a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Searching for treasure. Have we lost that idea in the last couple weeks and months? That in him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom, and that hasn't changed. And yet my desire to go treasure hunting might have been stopped with all the chaos surrounding me. You know what the Bible does not say is how long was he searching? <laughs> it just says he found it. It says that he was seeking beautiful pearls. It doesn't say how long. Maybe he was searching for years for something of that valuable. And he thought he found some things of value and he found out they weren't that valuable until he comes across this pearl. In Proverbs 25, 2, it says, It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. How are we doing at treasure hunting? How are we doing at treasure hunting? Do we get sick of the process? Do we feel like in the process of searching, if I don't find something right away, it's not worth searching? When circumstances change in our lives, does the desire to search go down? I lost my wallet last week, and you know how this works, right? When do you realize you lost your wallet? When you're about to leave, and you need your wallet. And of course, everyone's in the car, and you have somewhere to go. And now you're going to be late if you don't find either your keys or your wallet. So if you're like me during that time, now you realize you lost your wallet. I'm looking all over the house. You look in all the places it should be. That place where you're supposed to put your wallet, right near the keys, that little table near the door that you tell yourself you're going to put it there every single time, and then somehow it's lost a lot. You search there three or four times. Then you search countertops. Then you start to retrace when I got out of the car. Oh, I was in the garage. Maybe it's in the garage. It got to the point last week where I actually was opening up bathroom drawers. It's a little weird, right? Because you're actually in such a state of needing the thing that was lost. That you're like, I don't know. Maybe one of my kids took it and they put it in the bathroom drawer. They're, they just they snuck it. They wanted to see my credit card, got scared, shoved it in the drawer, and forgot about it. I mean, I'm looking in places that I know there's no way my wallet's there. But you just keep looking. Eventually, I found it. It was not on the table. It should have been. It was actually in my car. 
So, of course, I was just greeted with mercy and grace from my family. Like, don't worry, I've been there. And so the reason I say these things is that sometimes when we're missing something, we don't know where to look. And we're looking in all the wrong places. But I have to tell you that I need this reminder that in this time of my life, we as believers should not be those who don't know where to look. The Bible is filled with verses that talk about all the treasure, everything you need to know is in this book. And I'm amazed at my own life, how I've preached it, how I've tried to live it, how I've tried to say everything, and yet I will go to other sources looking for answers. I will go to the news stations. I will go to Google News. I might even go to other people. I will go everywhere except where I'm supposed to look. The promise has not changed. The answers are in the book. Spend time with your Savior and pray. Your answers are there. Sometimes you just don't want to go treasure hunting. In Colossians 2.23, as I have said, it says, And of Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When we want answers, why do we go anywhere else? And as we do these things, are we content with finding just a little? There are those who love to dig up history. I think they're called paleontologists. You know, they dig up those dinosaur bones. If you've ever seen some of those archaeological digs, if they came across a bone by accident, typically they do not just expose that bone and go, that was a pretty cool find, and then move on. They want to see, is the rest of the dinosaur there too? That's what they want. They're not satisfied with one of the bones. If you see those videos, they sometimes excavate large areas. Like, hey, we found a bone here. We have to dig up this whole area. We got to keep digging and digging and digging. We might find more. I feel like in my own life, and maybe in yours, we find one bone, we put it on the mantle, and we're like, that was pretty cool. And we stop digging. Stop digging. I mean, do you even struggle with the verse that says, In Christ are hidden all, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Do you, I mean, can we wrap our minds around that? In Him, every single ounce of wisdom and knowledge is in him and we can dig that up might take a while but we can do that it was a pearl that was hidden do you know they estimate 
There's over th around 3 million ships sunken at sea with buried treasure. Some people have said there's over $17 trillion worth of treasure in the ocean. It's just sitting there. That's a fact. And yet, it might not ever be discovered. Sitting there, treasure. When this person, in both stories, whether they'd been walking that field over and over, we don't know. How much did this person dig before he found the pearl? We don't know. We do know it was always there. <laughs> it was just hidden. Couldn't see it right away. Why do I say that? I think Satan does the opposite. I don't think there's a lot of hiding. He takes what he calls treasures of the world, all your lusts, all your desire, and he just puts it right out there for you. You see it all the time. The world's full with just, hey, come get this. It's not hidden at all. Anytime you want to indulge in your flesh, anytime you want to indulge in your selfishness, you don't have to look far. It's right out there for you. And it's interesting to me that in Christ are hidden. There's something about God in his character that he wants us to pursue. He wants us to dig. He wants us to search out. And I just think it's amazing how different it is from the way Satan does things. Just puts it right out there. And you know what it speaks of in my life is, well, you know, sometimes I give in simply because it's easier. Simply because I'm lazy. I want answers. I want fulfillment. I want joy in my life. It's all right there from Satan's perspective, what he's put out there. But this side, this one I have to dig. So sometimes you succumb to what's right out there. It shouldn't be like that. In Luke 12, in verse 20, it says, But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. We remember the verses, right, that say, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Listen, what treasure are we looking for? When they found this treasure, for joy they went and sold everything they had. They went and sold everything they had. Has your joy been robbed lately? And if so, why? Now, again, I'm reminding the verses that say there's a time for mourning and a time of laughing. But at the same time, I also read verses that say rejoice always. Always. So, has your joy been robbed at all over the last, last couple of weeks or months? And if so, why? Here's what C.S. Lewis said about joy and maybe pursuing it. 
Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. It's not that these desires are too strong, but too weak. We settle. I was at my brother's house the other day, and my niece, I really don't know what she was doing. That's why I was asking my brother. They, they had like a garbage can or something outside, and she had a big piece of PVC, and she's just stirring something. So I leaned over to my brother, and I said, uh, what's she doing? He goes, oh. You can't see it. She's making mud pies. I said, oh, oh, really? And so he's like, hey, Karen, why don't you tell Uncle James what you're making? Oh, today I'm making soup. I said, oh. To which she wanted me to come down off the deck and, you know, check out the soup and taste it. And she was having a ball. And I said something like, hey, man, go talk to your daughter and fix her. No, I'm just kidding. But as children... We remember those things, right? Making mud pies, pretending, all that, and we actually get joy out of that, right? And yet, the sad thing is there's adults still playing with mud pies, not realizing there's whole kitchens filled with food that you could actually make a real meal out of. We literally are sitting here on earth kind of grumpy, going, man, where's my joy coming from? I wish I could just make a better mud pie. When our kitchens are loaded with food and everything we need to make a real meal. When these guys found the real deal, they were willing to sell everything. Everything. Because what they found was so important to them that they were willing to lose the rest of this world for it. They were not satisfied with status quo. All they wanted was this treasure. And it brought them continuous joy. I have found myself not admiring the treasure that I have found enough. We have talked about this over and over in life. But somehow when the world flips a turn, somehow when life is abnormal, somehow I don't want to admire him anymore. I don't want to just sit back and go, man, you're so good. I don't want to sit back and think about how he loves me. I don't want to sit back and think about the fact that I'm forgiven. I don't want to sit there and think about all the spiritual blessings He's given me. Everything He's done in the past. All the promises of the future. All these things I choose not to think about. And I wonder why my joy is robbed. And instead my mind is completely consumed with trying to fix problems that I have no say in. Or trying to wonder how am I going to do something that I have no control over. And I'm not saying we shouldn't spend time thinking about and standing up and vocalizing some of those things. But I'm saying priorities. I'm saying priorities. 
They found something they were willing to let go of everything for. I have been saved. I have found Jesus Christ. He has not changed regardless of what happens down here. Why is my admiration for him maybe changed? It does not seem right to think, what does the Christian do right now in 2020? What's our response? What do we do? What if our first priority is simply to worship? Because that doesn't sound like we get anything accomplished. That doesn't sound like it will change anything. That doesn't sound like it will work. And yet, that might be the thing that we need for God to speak to us and give us wisdom as we search who He is to actually solve some of the problems around us. But we have to think about why we love Him. I have realized again, and I admit again, that when these things come up, my last thought is about what I think about my Savior. And I might even try to sound spiritual, say I pursued some of the answers to my questions through the Bible, but not the person of who He was. Not the person. And it leaves you empty. And you don't have joy. Would we be a people that is willing to give up everything for Jesus Christ? Now again, that might sound cliche. That might sound, uh, you know, like a little spiritual saying. But that's what we're called to do. In fact, the Bible would say, you cannot be my disciple unless you're willing to forsake everything. Everything. And when we think about hymns like, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full into His wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glorious face. The things of this world, that definition changes for me. As society changes. And I start to think, is the world distracting me so much that I am not looking at Jesus? Could that actually be one of Satan's plans? That I'm just so wrapped up in what the world's doing, I haven't sat down and read my Bible in days. I haven't just sat down and prayed. And we would say, we were willing to give up everything for Him. And yet when the world shifted, our thoughts and attention and love shifted with it. From Him. It's not right. I would like to encourage us. I'm not talking about all you have to do is go sing a song to the Lord and everything in life will be okay. But I'm talking about priorities. Are we really willing to give up everything we know because He is that valuable that regardless of what happens in our lives or in the world, we will not let go of this treasure. I must be about Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank You so much for Your goodness and Your grace. Thank you for your love. 
Lord, it's confusing. There is so much of me in my in my natural self that would rather uh, go try to fix problems, try to go fix society. And yet I'm reminded that I have found salvation. That my God is in control and that you are all powerful and that you love me. Help me and help us as a body of believers that we would acknowledge that and put that first and then allow you to teach us all wisdom and knowledge. Help us just to pursue you. It is so basic, Lord. And yet, it's hard to do. Help us this week simply to spend more time in your word, more time in prayer, more time in loving you, more time in thanking you, more time in fellowship with other believers, just to talk about who you are. Thank you for the gospel. In your name, amen.